Hello, world, and welcome back to the Morning Geekdom Podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Matulin, and today I am joined by Rob. On today's podcast, we discuss a film celebrating its 25th anniversary, Tim Burton's Ed Wood. From Touchstone Pictures. You blind saucer? Critics are calling Ed Wood one of the year's funniest films. It's science fiction. A heartbreaking romance. It's a supernatural thriller. Rolling Stone says Johnny Depp is terrific in a hilarious performance. All right, everybody, let's finish this picture. Martin Landau is a sure thing Oscar nominee. My name is Bela Lugosi. It's Tim Burton's most provocative film. Do you reject Satan and all his evils? Sure. Ed Wood, rated R. What's up, Bobby? What's going on? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm having a good day. You don't look as cold as you did last time we did a pod. I got a big old sweatshirt on today. <laughs> what's the What's the temperature there? Uh, temperature here in the Ville is a balmy. I think it's a forty something degree. I'm looking it up. Thirty nine degrees. Thirty nine degrees. Right. And what is it in your house? Since Heidi won't let you turn the heat up. Well, since I'm in the basement, I'm at 64 degrees, but the rest of the house is at 62 degrees. Is she aware that you have the heater up? She hasn't mentioned it, so (laughs) I'm not going to bring it up. I brought it up, so in the kitchen, we have like a, um, like underneath the cabinets, there's like a little vent that blows out hot air, so if you're like, you know, just standing in the kitchen, it's kind of like... So that's the big joke when it's like freezing in the house. So I just go stand over by the vent. I was like, oh, look how warm it is over here. I'll probably defrost <laughs> my toes. So, um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Should I think the, the question I always have to ask now yeah. when you're on the pod sure. is how's your tooth? It's, 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 <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> I did the dentist thing, went to the dentist. The dentist said it was like, no, oh, it's fine. Yeah. It's like, see you in three months. And I was like, is that it? He's like, yeah, I just got to heal. And then we're going to. So it's, it is a hole in my face. And the guy, as I was talking to him, I was like, this isn't a big deal that I don't have a tooth. And he's like, no, it's fine. He's like, just don't chew on that side. I was like, no, but like, is it a big deal that I'm like missing a tooth? He's like, no, your teeth won't start like spreading out to like fill that space for like six months. But by that time, we'll have like something else in there. I was like, that's okay. What? I've I've never even thought about so you can't have a new tooth for three months. Mm-hmm. Correct. It's, is there a reason why? Because everything has to heal. So like how this whole okay. thing works. Yeah, it's got to heal. Okay. And then, but <laughs> if it doesn't, if you don't get something in there by six months, yep, your shit's gonna spread. Yeah. So like I have fairly straight <laughs> teeth. So not anymore. Not anymore. So as soon as what happens is that, that tooth goes, all my other teeth, speaking of like looking like goober, all my other teeth are gonna shift to like fill in that space and then it's just gonna be freaking whacked. So um yeah. So my plan is Dude. to like jam a tic tac in there. <laughs> yeah, just man. keep that going as long as there's pressure on there. But it's just it's it's uh Thank God Heidi loves you oh my god she is and you're already married you know marriage is beautiful <laughs> because not only is she completely grossed out by my tooth now that sure. she's like weirded out by like my lack of like face um now i'm doing everything i can to like really start like grossing her out so you know 
between like you know the the length of my eyebrows which i'm like slowly becoming more and more proud of i'll be like hey uh, heidi i'm trying to like grow them out like gandalf style and then i can like wax them into like points to like finding like weird hair on my ear and it's like heidi look what i just pulled off of my head so it is a wonderful loving relationship that i have with my wife she loves me it's not too early for her to leave you though. you know that right <laughs> It is. It's, you know, she wouldn't do that. She loves me. Two beautiful children, uh, wonderful house. You keep pulling uh, ear hair out, bro. You oh, might have a, You might have a problem. And it's like, hey, look. And it's, she's like, I don't want to see it. It's disgusting. I was like, but look, that's so cool. And it's just, it's, she's, you know, she Jesus loves me. Christ. Charm Fucking goes a long nerd. way. Oh, no, it's Fucking not nerd. nerd. It's more gross. I mean, kind of. Yeah, it's nerdy things to do, but whatever. Where, where's, uh, where's the Mortal Kombat arcade? Well, I mean, that's, again, I'm people want to know these now. things. So Mortal Kombat. So I was, <laughs> I went to the Palisades Mall um, yesterday because you're from Long Island, you go to malls. So this mall is 40 miles south of my house. So I have to like, we, it's like an event. So I had a friend of mine that we were going to go find some place to eat. So I was like, oh, we should go down there. There's this place called the Yard House, which has like a billion different beers on tap. And um, so we drove down, you know. Started eating, had a couple of beers, and I'm just kind of staring out into the mall. And then, fuck, there goes Jarrett. Jarrett walks by randomly. Now, <laughs> again, to give you like an idea of what Jarrett lives like in the city, like he lives in Brooklyn. I live in like upstate New York, and this is like literally the middle of the two. Call the guy up. He doesn't pick up on the first go. I have to call him again. And I'm like, turn around. Well, are you here? And sure as shit, it was Jarrett. So I was able to see Jarrett last night in one of my many, like, kind of weird Jarrett encounters lately. So um, we started hashing out some Mortal Kombat 2 stuff. So it turns out you can mod these, like, um, cabinets to play more games than just the three that came with it. Yeah. So the problem is you have to invest a couple of bucks to upgrade the thing. So that's where we're at. It's not that much, though. I think it's like 150 bucks for like all of like oh, the no. accoutrement. So uh, we'll get there. I'm working on it. Rob, did you? Okay, did you say you drove 40 miles? Excuse me, 40 minutes to go to the fucking yard house? I did. Okay. <laughs> cool. It's one I'm of gonna... the. It's you want like you you have the places around you go to them all the time. So it's like oh let's go do this place. And they always have pretty good beers on tap. So and they did. The art house has fine beers. The food is terrible. Food is terrible, but you know. It, you might as well go eat at Applebee's. It's better than Applebee's. It's better Not than much. Buffalo Wild Wings. It's like, you know. I don't know. We I don't walk, know. you know. We'll, we'll put, you know, we'll put a, a Twitter poll <laughs> and we'll, we'll ask the people. And while we ask the people, why don't you ask Damien what he thinks about the art house? Damien doesn't like the art house? I mean, ask him. All right. You, you could text him while we're, while we're talking if you would like and Hang ask on. him. All right. Hang on this. All right. Um, no, no, you can you can multitask. You're I'm, professional. You'd be amazed at what I'm able to do. I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, so we're going to talk about Ed Wood today. Yeah. Ed Wood is something that I have wanted to talk about, and I know you have wanted to talk about. Yes. It is in my top 10 movies of all time. Cool. It is probably going to be our least downloaded episode <laughs> ever. It's because people are going to say, fucking Ed Wood. But you know what? Sometimes you got to just do one that you want to do for yourself. It's too bad. It's such a great movie, and it's just it. It's not. It's like not a forgettable movie, but people just don't seek it out. I think that my hope is that people that maybe haven't seen it, um, listen to this podcast and want to see it or see it 
before they listen to the episode because they want to listen to the episode. Yeah. I know that when uh, I had my co- or my episode with, with Laura Vandervoort, she had not seen it, oh. and then she watched it that night. Oh, cool. So we talked about Tim Burton. I mentioned this, and then I know she ended up watching it. So and I don't I th- know if she liked it, didn't ask. I think it's, this is a movie that we find common ground on. Not that you and I are ever, you know, really agreeing on a lot of these movies, but sure, this is one that like my kind of weirdo, you know, taste actually really likes, and this is one that your taste actually likes. So that's we should be hitting like a larger group of people, considering, you know, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Just saying. watching it, watching it, and then again being more critical. That's part of the reason I like doing these long form discussions is because I watch it with the categories in mind and then I start to think about the movie slightly different or maybe more critical or maybe paying more attention than I have in a long time. This movie has a ton of memorable lines and lines that I think are very funny. (laughs) And there are a lot of nuances, I think, in this movie. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, I like it on so many different levels. And watching it uh, yesterday for this pod, I just feel like I like it even more now. You know, it's funny. It's, you know, it's a Tim Burton movie, but it's, it's, I feel like the least Tim Burton movie of like his entire repertoire. Because there was points that I was, I just watched it yesterday with Owen, um, yesterday, the day before, whatever. Um, and it just becomes like you, you forget that you're watching a Tim Burton movie. There are a lot of like notes or beats that are just not there that are typically in Tim Burton films. Well, I think the first thing is, is is it's not overly stylized. It's a pretty straightforward filmed movie. Like the cinematography is pretty straightforward with the exception of being black and white. Um, I think that it has some, like the opening scene, which we'll talk about because I like that quite a bit. Going through the credits, I think is very stylized, but it's not in Tim Burton style. It's in Ed Wood style. Right. Um, and then I think there's a couple things that set it apart. Uh, it doesn't, it's not one of the only Burton movies or one of the most notable Burton movies that's not scored by Danny Elfman. Yeah. So I think you're missing Elfman in it and that kind of then takes away from the very style of Tim Burton because you don't have Elfman, which I guess you're taking away from Elfman's style, but you understand what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. And it, it's yeah. there. there is a piece of this thing, as you said, the, the, the opening sequence um, that he was really, this, this movie wasn't, you know, I think conceived or developed as a Tim Burton movie. It was conceived and developed as an Ed Wood movie. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of beats that Ed Wood would use and a lot of degrees of fantasy that are kind of brought into this thing. And once you start kind of like dialing in and digging into like the, the dirt of, of what, not only like the, the critical reaction to, but like the people that this movie's about their reaction to it, you realize that it is, you know, it is a little skewed from reality, but, you know, through the lens of what, you know, an Ed Wood biopic would actually look like. Yeah. So from what I read is that it's not your, it's not obviously a, a true biopic. It doesn't, it takes some liberties with things, but it was more Burton's intention to do that and to kind of show how enthusiastic and just uh, Ed Wood was always like, everything's going to work out. He was so positive that they tried to make it in that vein. Yeah. So like you're saying, it's a movie about Ed Wood, but it's really a movie that shows kind of his, I think, optimism and enthusiasm for filmmaking. Sure. Sure. And I think there's a level of um, sarcasm, I think, that Tim Burton has and like comes through in a lot of his movies that isn't there. This is like a pretty like innocent film and I, I feel you know Ed Wood is the most kind of naive of the characters 
And, um, you know, like we always say, Tim Burton puts a little bit of himself into all of his movies, especially ones that he's really kind of working behind. Um, but with this one, it's like it almost feels too like too kind of pure and too innocent for uh, for a Tim Burton movie. But It's the least Tim Burton movie of all his movies. Yep. And it's the one that I don't associate him with. Right. But it's my favorite Tim Burton movie. Well, that's what's funny, because if you read all the stuff, it's Tim Burton's favorite Tim Burton movie, which I think is kind of funny, too. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine the, the cast of this thing is ridiculous. <laughs> even the ca- you know, even in 1993, this cast is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. You know, to get Bill Murray in a, in a supporting role that he maybe has, I don't know, 10 lines of dialogue, yep. 12 lines of dialogue, <laughs> and he kills it. He's fantastic <laughs> yes. in it. But I think everybody, everybody who's in it, and it's you know, it's it's what Patricia Arquette when she had just done, um, True Romance. It's Sarah Jessica Parker. I mean, they have it. It's a pretty serious cast. Yeah, and it's a fun cast. Like everyone seems to be really kind of enjoying themselves. Like you can kind of like if you're putting yourself in there, it just seems like everybody was having a great time making it. It's good. It, it's yeah, no, it, it's the it, fun it, of movie making and the fun of like watching a movie. Yeah, it's a very lighthearted movie, yeah. which again, I kind of forgot about how and it's it's a question I have later, but it's it's I actually I'll ask it right now. Yeah. I forgot that this movie is a comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always feel maybe it's the tone of it or the look of it being black and white feel like it's more of a dramedy. Right. But it really is just a comedy. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not satire per se. Right. No. It's not slapsticky. It's a little satire. Yeah, and there's a, there's a couple of things that are a little ridiculous, but I think they're r- ridiculous in kind of like a fun, believable way. I think they, they took a lot of liberties with, you know, certain things and certain characters to make them funnier. Sure. But again, I don't think, I think that, you know, I don't want to get into this podcast and actually talk that much about Ed Wood, per se, yeah. the actual director and, you know, his movies. Obviously, we can bring him up a little bit, but I don't think, I based on what I read and how I feel about this movie, I know it's a quote-unquote biopic, but I don't feel like they were necessarily making a biopic about Ed Wood. No, I, I, in the spirit of the kind of like fly by the seat of your pants, you know, we're going to make the movie no matter what, isn't it great? Everyone's kind of behind you. Like the fun of filmmaking. This is like a guy, in my humble opinion, if we're kind of looking at this portrayal of Ed Wood, this is like a kid who just wants to make movies and yeah. I think that's fun. And it, you, I don't see that much anymore. Like, as I was teaching film through all those years, I would run into these kids all the time. It's like they wanted to make movies. They were, like, passionate about movies. They were knowledgeable about movies. But they didn't know how to make them. But they were just having the time of their lives just trying to make them. And they would come up with shit, and it's fine. But it's so much fun to kind of get there. And I, I think that's where it, this, uh, this movie is coming from. Yeah, and I think that, you know... Th- Johnny Depp has a line of dialogue and it's, this is not verbatim, but he essentially, somebody's watching them film and he, they're like, this set looks like crap. And didn't you see the headstone tip over and blah, blah. And he just says like, nobody's going to pay attention to those details. Right. <laughs> like it's all about the bigger picture. Yep. And I think that's the enthusiasm he had, but obviously it is all about the details. Right. That's but I what think he's just because, about. yeah, but because he loves what he's doing so much and he's so passionate about it, he's just like, let's go, let's go. And he sees the... Like the joy and everything right. and the excitement and everything. And now whether Ed Wood was actually like that or not, I don't know. Right. 
But, I mean, Johnny Depp just exudes that this whole movie. I mean, I think he only really gets frustrated one time for the whole, in the whole film. Right, he does. And it produces a great line, which is in my favorite lines thing. Perfect, because that's not in mine. <laughs> <laughs> the scene after is in one of my favorite scenes, but not any lines. Right. But it's All fun. Right, so, fun yeah, let's do, uh, let's do this synopsis, which is always my the part I'm least excited about. Oh. But because I butcher it, I'm sure everybody's excited. Excellent. All right. So ambitious but troubled movie director Edward D. Wood Jr. tries his best to fulfill his dreams despite his lack of talent. Pretty easy. That was great. And you read it very well. You should be very proud of you. Hey, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, I know. Five-year-old. I feel like a five-year-old. Hey, you did a good job. That's a good synopsis. I know a lot of times we have really convoluted, not great synopsis. I think that one is good. It's good. It kind of describes at least what the the movie is supposed to be about. But I think you're missing the the big piece, which is Bela Lugosi. Sure, sure. Um, who's actually, I forgot, died halfway through the movie? Yeah, yeah. Wait. For whatever reason, I thought he was in more of the movie, but he's oh. actually, I mean, pretty much half of the movie, he's out, right? He's in about the yeah, first like th- hour, hour and 15 minutes, sure, and he's like, gone. First, like, two-thirds, I want to say, is, is fair. Okay. And then he goes, and, you know, and that's a bummer, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, came out, as I mentioned, in 1994. Wonderful year. I can't remember the first time I saw this movie. I remember seeing it late 90s. Yep. And I remember trying to find it on Blu-ray. Oh. And it had gotten released and then immediately recalled because oh. it had a documentary called Let's Shoot This Fucker attached <laughs> to it. And it came out under Touchstone, which was owned by Disney, and Disney was like, that's not happening. Uh, let's so shoot I this had fucker. to like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had to look for it for like days this is pre-internet yep <laughs> and i found it in a warehouse do you remember warehouse video stores we didn't have warehouse video stores okay we had them here they were shitty oh um but yeah i found it and i was pumped so nice. i looked for this thing for a long time this this was a rob leonard blockbuster video special so when you okay. worked for blockbuster you can kind of you know part of like the shtick or the joy of working at blockbuster is if, you know, if it's not new release, you could, you know, rent any video you want. And, like, you had, okay. like, five rentals per week or something like that. So, you know, a lot of my catalog in my brain comes from those days. So this became a – I was either going through a Johnny Depp kick or I was going through a Tim Burton kick. I can't remember which one of the bunch was. But this right. was a uh, – yeah, this was a VHS first watch. So I probably watched it in, like, 95, 96 – Okay, so you watched it relatively, like, right after it came out. Sure, sure. Okay. Well, what you didn't do is see it in the theater, because nobody saw it in the theater. Ain't nobody seeing it in the theater. So, $18 million budget. Mm -hmm. This might be the lowest box office of any movie we ever do. Yeah. $5.9 million. (laughs) It's so... It's sad. It's so sad. And I, I looked to see if there was, like, another number of, like... You know, what did it get, you know, in, you know, international release and then with the video and whatever. And you can't find any of that shit. Did you see what the Uh, opening weekend was? No, I didn't. What was it? $71,500. I got to imagine it had a very small release, right? Uh, I do not remember this movie coming out in the theater at all. So it's got to be Tim Burton's lowest opening or or gross, like total gross for a movie. It has to be. 5.9 million. Depp, it might not be because he's made a lot of little movies. Sure. Um, 
So it could not, it could possibly not be his, but it's got to be Burton's. I can't think of anything that would have had less than this. And it's not like this movie has had legs since. Right. Like everybody, hardly ever. I think you might be the, one of the only people when I say, hey, Ed Wood. And you're like, yep. It's too bad. Tyler. I mean, most of the people on the podcast, I don't think have seen this movie. Again, if you're if you're a fan of Tim Burton like that, it should show up on the radar. You, I mean, you should kind of see it and enjoy it and, and kind of do the whole bit. But you're right; it's it's a rarity that people actually see it, and they don't play it ever. Like you ever. have to seek this thing out. So I got it on streaming the other day, but it is not on any of the streaming services. It is not on nope. cable. It hasn't been on cable in like forever. It's too you check bad. Disney Plus. It is not on Disney Plus, even that's though this a, was that's a Disney surprising. Movie. Yeah. So yeah, I was shocked. So put it again, I put the Blu-ray in and Disney has a very specific, uh, when you put the Blu-ray in, it starts playing trailers and then it, on the bottom it pops up and it says like next move or next trailer, go to the movie or pop up. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, did I put the right movie in? Because again, I didn't remember that it's Touchstone, which is Disney, which is also how Nightmare Before Christmas got released, but has since been, now it's Disney. Like Nightmare Before Christmas is Disney now. Right. Where this had that same thing. And I just, it shocked me and I forgot it's a Disney movie, but I don't think of this as a Disney movie. No, not even close. And it wasn't, no. it wasn't like developed as a Disney movie. I think it was de- no. developed as like a Sony Columbia movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tim Burton wasn't even the original director. They had some other bozo um, <laughs> the director, which is kind of funny in itself. So the original director was this dude named uh, Michael Lehman. Mm-hmm. Um, who I mean, like did some stuff, but like nothing amazing, but it's my favorite reason why somebody had to give up a project in order to do something else. So Michael Lehman had a pass on it because he was okay. too busy directing airheads. <laughs> Dude, airheads is a great movie. Airheads is a great movie, but you're not winning Oscars with airheads. <laughs> airheads is incredibly fun and underrated Brendan Fraser movie. I always forget he's in that. <laughs> Brendan Fraser. For some reason, Steve Buscemi is in it. Steve Buscemi and Adam, like young Adam Sandler, yeah. man. But that's the thing. Like Steve Buscemi is like a hundred years old in that movie. It was just the <laughs> weirdest like, like casting ever. It's so. I mean, I gotta go watch. I gotta go watch Airheads. <laughs> um, how many awards? How many Academy Awards did Ed Wood win, Rob? Well, based on my research, it won two Academy mm. Awards. Um, do you know what they are? I do. Ah. Would you like me to tell you? That just please do. Well, famously, Martin Landau. Right. Which is I don't think considered um an upset because he's fantastic in this movie. But at some point we're going to talk about the murderer's row that is 1994. <laughs> right? Yeah. And we're going to talk about Forrest Gump. We're yeah. going to talk about Pulp Fiction. We're going to talk about Shawshank Redemption. We're going to talk about this movie. What else are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about how he's getting celebrated for a portrayal that supposedly wasn't anywhere close to how that guy really was. Of course. (laughs) But I'm just, when you think about 1994 supporting actors, you think about who? Morgan Morgan Freeman. Freeman. You think about maybe Sam Jackson? Yeah, you could. (laughs) Maybe, Maybe like Gary Sinise. Maybe this is a Moonstruck moment. Like, share one best actress for Moonstruck. Maybe it was just you got the right people, you know, casting the right votes, and that's what happens. 
I think what probably happened was in 94, there were so many great movies um, that it really split votes. Sure. And you have the people who split between Morgan Freeman and Sam Jackson. Right. And this is what you get. And I don't think Martin Landau should not have gotten it. I think he gives a fantastic performance. I think that if you don't know that's Martin Landau, you it doesn't it's not him. Right? right. If you don't know that's who's playing it, you're like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> and Martin Landau did not necessarily have a celebrated career before this movie. No. Nor did he no. really have it after this movie. This is I feel like Martin Landau's like just kind of nailed this movie. And his daughter. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> Which is another great line in the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's the um the nominees for that year that Martin Lando um, went against, he went against uh, Chaz uh, Palminteri, I can never say his name, Bolts Over Broadway, um, Sam Jackson for Pulp Fiction, Gary Sinise for Forrest Gump. What the fuck? I just said it. I just said Gary Sinise. And I don't um, think Morgan Freeman was nominated. He wasn't. Yeah. Paul Shuffeld from Quiz Show. Like, I, I don't get Quiz, Quiz Show. Quiz Show was another one this year that was like a massive, massive movie. Don't get it. Don't Read the leading it. actors. Give me leading actors. Best actor nominees in 1995 are as follows. Nine, yeah, Paul Newman. Depp didn't get Depp oh, didn't get nominated. No, he not even close. Morgan Freeman actually got nominated for best in uh, Shawshank, so he didn't get best supporting. He got best actor. Um, mm, Tom he's Hanks supporting in that. John Travolta, Paul Newman, and Nigel Hawthorne for uh, mm. Madness of King George. So, this is how it should have gone. Mm. Tim Robbins should have been nominated for Best Actor. Sure. Freeman, Best Supporting Actor. Because sure. that's Tim Robbins' movie. Yes. So how that doesn't happen is beyond me. How do they, do, you Depp, even, do you know how they separate that? Like who's supporting and who's like main? Because I think even on like the poster, Tim Robbins is above Morgan Freeman, no? I think it's just like however they want to vote it, to be honest with you. Or however the studio pitches it. Like right. they, they're the ones who really push the money up to like – Hey, for your you know for your consideration, here's who we think should be um, the leading man in that movie. Right, Depp should have got nominated. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I think this is the least uh, Johnny Depp performance ever. Yeah, he's very I and mean, he's a normal guy for well, however like he has a lot of uh, he's pretty eccentric, but he's not. I mean he's not Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> so. And it's the first of his. Kind of weirdo roles, isn't it? It's like the the first time he's kind uh, of Edwards, going out there a little bit. I think Edward Scissorhands is probably yeah. his first weirdo role. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> acting. You want to get into some of these categories? Sure. Do you have anything else you want to add? I'm looking because there was like there was a whole. Oh, so the other Oscar, the other Oscar was for uh, best makeup. Rick, Rick for Baker. Rick Baker, our boy Rick Baker from Star Wars fame, not Thriller fame, clearly. But um, Rob, yeah. Rob, nobody's ever said that in the history of mankind. I Our boy, did. Rick Baker. <laughs> Rick Baker is like celebrated for his contribution to Star Wars, sir. I, no, I get it. But yeah. Rick Baker is like, if you know that industry, it's like Tom Savini, right? Like sure. you understand that's he is the he's the person in that industry. He's the guy. So it's not like there's a whole lot of competition. <laughs> You go directly to him. And that was all based on um, Bella Lugosi's, I'm sorry, Martin Landau's makeup because they, Martin Landau looks significantly different than Bella yeah. Lugosi. And portrayed, like, if you see the actor, if you see Martin Landau dressed as Bella Lugosi, 
does not look anything like Bella Lugosi, but they like Nothing. tried to reconfigure the shit out of his face enough to make it actually worthwhile. So good for them. I forgot watching it again how much of a drug addict they make him. Oh my god! In this movie. Yeah. Yeah, the track mark. Like all the, you know, the the shots of him in the car when he's like, I got to take a nap. And instead of them showing him shooting himself up, they show like the reflection in the, in the uh, windshield. Like I forgot how much um, of a drug addict they portray him as in this movie. They make him, it it seems like a junkie. It seems like this guy cannot function. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too bad. But yeah. Oh, but the other kind of, um, Oh, you said that already. It's the first movie not to feature Danny Elfman in a Tim Burton movie. You already know that. So that was it. <laughs> but I still love this score quite sure. a bit. And I think the score can be a star of this movie. Sure. Howard Shore's score of Howard Lord Shore. of the Rings fame. Of other movies as well. But yes, most notably Lord of the Rings. And a Thank resident you. of the Here wonderful Hudson Valley. No big deal. <laughs> Are we able to get a podcast in not talking about Hudson Valley. Nope. I think it's okay. it's not celebrated enough. So it's like there's just it just happens to be. <laughs> <laughs> um I I am born I was born in Long Beach, California. Nice. Can I start talking about all the you know things that have happened in Long Beach? Listen, I am like excited about where I live. I'm excited where I grew up. So it's like it, these are the things we're supposed to celebrate. You have a lot of pride in the invisible line in which you were born in or born around and live in. You know what I'm saying? Like this line is very important to you. It's, it's, uh, all right. So here is like, if we're going to just kind of go off topic here for a minute. Sure. So I think part of, um, I've been very fortunate in my life that I get to travel quite a bit. And um, I think an important piece of, of, of like living and kind of life is to travel. I think it's an important thing that everyone should be doing. Okay. And what you do kind of get out of traveling is the pride of where you kind of are from. So when you travel through, you know, another country, it's it's so disorienting and it's so weird and it's so, you know, foreign, for lack of a better word. That it's, you know, once you start talking to the local people there, like, you're just amazed that you're there. But the people you're talking to are equally amazed of, like, where you're from. So you get to kind of talk about your place a little bit. And as you talk about your place, it becomes more, like, folklore Like, you tell more stories and there's a little bit more pride there. So I think with each place that I travel to... Um, I always kind of harp back to like home, like, hey, this place is amazing. Um, I love it. You know, let me tell you about my place. And this is kind of the differences between them. So I think that's where a lot of the pride's coming from. I get it. Yeah. So there it is. I get it. I just don't understand it. Oh, well, there it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like you're you're not pra- like I identify as like a New Yorker. But yeah, you don't, I don't identify as, as a Californian. Well, no, I've lived in, I've also lived in Arizona. I've lived in Seattle. I've not always lived in the same area. I mean, Nicolette and I have been together, what, two decades, and we've never lived in one place more than three years. Oh, well, there you go. And, you know, it's just, that's just how it's been. Yeah. We probably will eventually settle here. Obviously, we own homes. We'll settle because of our child now. But I've always enjoyed um, kind of moving around a little bit. Right. But it's always on that coast. You got to like, you know, 
It's always it's always on the coast, right. and you know, moving across country is a very would be a daunting task to me. Oh, I can't. It just yeah, no, thank you. And I'm never gonna. Li- I don't want to live in like Texas or like Nebraska or someplace like that. No offense to either of those states, just not someplace for me. So yeah, we'll probably always live along this coast. You know, maybe as far away from the coast as like Colorado or something like that, but never, uh, never any further than that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's identifiable. I guess maybe that's the best way to do it. Is like I identify. <laughs> I identify I as a it. male from upstate New York. <laughs> that's it's part of you. I mean, it's right. who you are, and right. you're a very. Uh, you're not a prideful man, but you're very. You know, you're you're. I can't think of the right word. You're, it ex- exudes out of you, right? Your East Coastness <laughs> is you, and that's good. But I'm just saying, Washingtonville, shout out every episode, every episode, every single episode. Proud to be a wizard, sir. Always proud to be a wizard. What does that mean? It's Washingtonville Wizards. We're the Wizards, home of the Wizards. Who the fuck is the Wizards? The that's high school? our mascot. Yeah. Oh man, come on! I don't know that. Come on. I thought we were talking like Harry Potter. No, we're watching the Wizards. I get excited. Go Wizards. You've never watched Harry Potter, and right. you guys are the Wizards. Because it's a different type of wizard. We're more of like the Merlin wizard, and he's more like the Harry Potter wizard. So there's like a big difference in our wizards. They refer to Merlin in Harry Potter often. Oh, do they? Uh-huh. Oh, I did, I did not know that. He's not one of the wizards they refer to per se as like a founding father, but like one of the curse words, or when you're surprised, you say Merlin's beard. Oh. I did not know that. Or Merlin's pants. Merlin's pants. What's yeah, wrong with Merlin's I pants? I don't know. They just use it like uh, Ron Weasley uses it a lot. Come on, man. I, what do I know? That's what I get Nothing. when I'm watching. Oh, come on. Come on. Most watchable scene. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you have the opening credits, yep. which I absolutely love because you get Jeffrey Jones's speech. I know everything I need to know about this movie from Jeffrey Jones in the first, like, 30 seconds. Greetings, my friend. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing you the full story of what happened. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Can your heart stand the shocking facts of the true story of Edward D. Wood, Jr.? Griswell gives me what I need right off the bat. Uh, then you have, again, it also with the music... And you get, like, the effects, and you see, like, okay, we understand what we're getting here. Right. Things are going to be a right little up. cheesy. Things are going to be a little ridiculous. I love any movie that right off the bat sets a tone. And this movie sets the tone right off the bat. Black and white, acting, effects, and music within the first 30 seconds. Right. Uh, next scene is Ed meeting Bella. So all the way from leaving the bar to... Seeing him in the in the <laughs> casket shop, in the coffin shop. This is the most uncomfortable coffin I've ever been in. <laughs> yeah. I have no room to spread my arms, right? Something like that. Uh, from him meeting him, talking to him, and then going to to uh, 
to his house and he gives the two great lines. No one gives two fucks for Bella. <laughs> and he says, I'm just an ex boogeyman. Make a right. Uh, right. <laughs> um, I just love their dynamic so much. Right. Anytime I just realized anytime that Martin Landau is on screen during this movie, yeah. I'm in. Like I'm locked in. Oh, he's he's fantastic through the whole thing. That he's he's pulling the movie. Johnny Depp is for great, sure. but Martin Landau it's, you know. I, I think it's it's a combination of every supporting character in this movie. Yeah. Um, but Martin Landau obviously really stands out. I don't think he's supporting. I know he won supporting actor, but I think it's as much of his movie as it is Johnny Depp. Sure. Um, next category or next uh, scene is Ed and Bella on Halloween night <laughs> when they're <Yep>. watching Vampira. <laughs> <laughs> and again, maybe not appropriate in 2019. Uh-huh. He gives the he gives the line. I think she's a honey. Look at those jugs. <laughs> Creepy ass Bella. While he's holding his two gerbil-sized dogs at the same time in his Dracula outfit. I was going to say fully dressed up like Dracula. (laughs) With the Dracula painting above them. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then you have Ed Wood removing his teeth, part of that same scene, which makes me laugh. (laughs) I lost them in the war. That's right. Lost my pearlies. (laughs) Um, The octopus scene? I mean, come on. How do you Uh, not love that? Them getting ready? Go ahead. The, that that scene produces some of the best lines in the movie, and that comes right after the shoot-up scene. Agreed. Yeah. It's part of the same scene. Yep. And some of those lines are going to be in my favorite favorite lines or most memorable lines, so I'm not going to give them right now. But when he it, – it starts off funny, right? They're like, hey, where the hell is the fucking engine, the motor for the, the, the octopus? How are we going to get it to move? And they're like, hey, Bella, just get in the water and do it. And he gives the lines. We're not going to say it yet. Right. But then there's a very poignant – part in that scene and I think in the whole movie when he's reflecting on his life at that point. Yeah. He gets in the water Bella and he just says, you know I turned down Frankenstein. Right. Right. right, right. And everybody stops and they're like, what? And then he gives the, you know, I turned it down before they offered it to Boris Karloff, but I was worried about the makeup. And it's just like, he at that moment he's just like, fuck, like what is my life anymore? Right. <laughs> and then Johnny, and Johnny Depp's like, I have 12 scenes to shoot tonight. Can we move on yeah. with it please? And he's like, okay. But it's just like, at that point, you realize, like, kind of where, I don't know, it's almost like a reflection on his life, and he kind of knows he might not be around much longer. Sure, sure. After multiple attempts to try to kill himself throughout the movie. Right. Bummer. Uh, You have the baptism scene. You've taken all the good fucking scenes. Yes, go ahead. I know. (laughs) That's my favorite thing ever. And that goes back to... How much does this guy want to make the movie that not only is he changing his religion, he's making everybody that's part of the movie sure. change their religion too? And I, this is where Bill Murray as Bunny really stands out. <laughs> he has three amazing lines. Let's hear he says, because at this point, Bella's died. Uh-huh. And they have Dr. Dr. Dan? Is that his Dr. Name? Dr. Tom. Dr. Dr. Tom, the Tom, chiropractor. Sure. And they're like, I don't see it, I don't see it. And then fucking Bill Murray throws out the just the softball <laughs> home run. Let's hear you call Boris Karloff a cocksucker. <laughs> and it just every single time in church. Uh, yeah. And then the preacher's gonna fucking, you know, they're gonna baptize him. Do you reject Satan and all his evil? And then Bill Murray just sure. Sure. Like just sure. the best. <laughs> the best. And then gets dunked. And again, I think that really what sh- the the strength of the movie is the supporting characters. And when Bill, when, when when Bunny goes over to Johnny or to Ed, and he just says, "How do you get? How do you get all your friends to do this? Like, what? 
how do you do this? You get all of your friends to get baptized just to make a movie. And that shows like the strength of friendship yep. in the whole movie. And loyalty and love for everything. And yeah, it's, it's everything. It's great. They, it's a group of friends that are all weirdos. Right. And they just love each other. And they're just, they're there for each other. You know, it goes back to, I was watching um, on Disney Plus, there's that Imagineering show that's on right now. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It's great. It really, it's it's fantastic. And um, I just wrapped up the first episode. I started watching the second episode. But at the end of the first episode, um, Walt dies. So he dies of cancer. Yeah. And But the yep. thing that is really like, just, it's really kind of like heartwarming is, I mean, Walt Disney died in like the 60s, I think. It was probably 50 years ago, whatever it was. 68, I think. And um, these guys, these old guys who have been, you know, kind of great through this whole interview process and you've seen them in other scenes, as they talk about the death of Walt Disney 50 years later, every one of them is emotional about it. That blew yeah. my mind. That that kind yeah. of resonated as much as it did. It did as well for me watching that show. I mean, we're off topic a little bit, but yeah. <clears throat> Um, every time they talk about Walt, you can see like a change in their kind of demeanor. And then when he passes away and they talk about it, like you said, almost every single one of them is upset still. Right. And they, I don't know if it shows like the closeness that they had as a group that were like trying to start trying to do something that had never been done before, just the admiration they have for him. But it wasn't, I mean, they didn't, it wasn't like a, a boss employee type of relationship. Right. Like these people, like. He was he was like their everything almost it seemed like right more he, than friendship more than anything like he was their mentor their friend their boss it's 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 a cool dynamic and it's still it gets you a little bit right I I think and and that's how it kind of relates back to this thing that these guys are willing to do whatever and I know it's like it's depicted so it's not I don't know if this actually happened but the idea yeah. of like doing anything for your friend because your friend would do anything for you it's just it's this beautiful thing and just like in high admiration just it's that it was a wonderful beautiful moment so as funny as the baptism scene is as you said it's that friendship of all of these yo-yos doing this thing together yeah. that's amazing don't ever get it twisted i am not getting baptized for you oh come on <laughs> no and then my last scene is the orson welles scene which mm -hmm. i know it doesn't it has some technical issues with it. Um, the voiceover doesn't exactly match up with Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal of or Orson <laughs> Welles, but I just love the scene because that's Johnny. That that's Ed Wood's mentor, right? And his who not mentor per se, but it's it's, it's, it's inspiration. A hero. Yeah, yeah. And he sees him dressed in drag. Yeah, goes up Does... and wants to have a conversation and is is re motivated from his conversation with, with Orson Welles. And I love that scene, even though, again, there are some issues with the technical side of it. Right. Played by uh, Vincent D'Onofrio from, like, right. Men in Black fame <laughs> and The Cell. Or or Platoon or I mean, other things. I mean, but those yeah. are the ones I remember from. And he's voiced by uh, Maurice Lachoux, or Le I forget what the last name is. He played The Brain on Pinky and the Brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's the. I always kind of like. I separate because he totally sounds like the brain as he's like giving these lines. But it's that that thought that Orson Welles doesn't even blink as this guy in a dress comes up to him. He immediately kind of treats him as an equal. Like we are filmmakers. Yep. We're kind of going through it together. And it was exactly what Ed Wood needed to hear at that. Those are those great kind of wonderful moments. Meeting your heroes. Yeah. Too bad it's not always like that. Um, Too bad it's not always I, like that. There's all my scenes. Let me go. Oh. Let me recap them. Yeah. You can throw in anything yeah. you have. 
Opening credits, you have Ed meeting Bella, Ed and Bella on Halloween, the octopus scene, the baptism scene, and the Orson Welles scene. Got what else it. you got, buddy? I got two scenes. One's going to blow you away. Okay. One of them is they're filming the scene that um, first uh, Bella Lugosi is like walking from one door to the next door. And then the next scene, Lobo <laughs> yeah, yeah. tries to get through it. And they're like, hey, big man had a hard time getting through the door. You want to shoot it again? <laughs> and yeah. he's like, and he's like, no. <laughs> Lobo would have that same sort of struggle in real life. So love it. Yeah, but you wouldn't see the whole set move. But yes. <laughs> but what I think is the best scene in this movie, which kind of incorporates a lot of the things that we're talking about, is the pull the string scene. <laughs> because that goes from like when they first sit Bella down and they do the makeup on his arms to the guy that tries to get the autographs. Mr. Gossi, I, I know you're very busy, but um, can I have your autograph? Certainly. You know which movie of yours I love, Mr. Lugosi? The Invisible Ray. You were great as Karloff's sidekick. Karloff? Sidekick? Fuck you! Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit! That limey cocksucker can rot in hell for all I care! And it's just, it's the funniest thing. And I, it's, part of it is too, like, Johnny Depp plays it so well that as Bella, as Martin Landau is going through the lines, He's like looking at him in awe of just like, this is fucking amazing. And just as he's about to call cut, Bella goes, he's like, wait, <laughs> pull the strings. And it is an amazing, amazing scene. And what's the only thing that's better than that is the fact that they put running Buffalo <laughs> over it in the final yeah. cut of it. But it's for amazing. no reason, for no reason. So that's my two cents. <laughs> is that your favorite scene? That is my favorite scene. Right. I gotta go with, I gotta go with Ed meeting Bella because that's just you. They're dynamic. It's what's gonna carry the movie for the next yep. you know hour. And again, I think like you mentioned, they play off each other so well. Sure. And Martin Landau is low key pretty funny in this movie. Oh, he's amazing. Every <laughs> my favorite thing is hearing Martin Landau curse, as you will find yeah. out. But he's he is again. He's supposed to play this kind of tragic character, and there were a lot of pretty heavy scenes with him. But he is. He's hilarious through this whole thing. Yeah, I've never heard an old man say cocksucker so many times oh. since like I lived with my grandma and grandfather. <laughs> who my grandmother, you know, my grandmother, an old Italian Sicilian woman, called my grandfather a cocksucker. That's and I was a child like so many times. So many times. Did she say he didn't deserve to smell my shits? <laughs> she did <laughs> she did not call him a limey cocksucker, just a cocksucker. Yeah. So, uh, that you know mm-hmm. that word will get you kicked out of a uh, baseball game in um, you know Durham, Cock-sucker. North Carolina. Cocksucker. That's the whole not thing. A bad. The the other c word will never be uttered out of my mouth ever, and it, I'm like openly embarrassed if I ever hear it. The c word. The yeah the 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 word of all words. I can't I can't. Mm-mm. But so cocksucker, I say all the time. So I was I was with Jarrett for what a half hour last night. And he said it. the big C word at least six times. Whoa. Yeah. Why? We were described. He, so he taught in London there for a little while. So, you know, we're kind of going back and forth on words. So I guess a British word that is not 
necessarily complimentary or they don't like is the word fanny, which I think is funny because like, how do you call a fanny pack not a fanny pack? So, so okay. as he was going through the words, I was like, and forgive me for anybody who's listening, the word twat comes well, up because when oh, you're okay. British, I That's feel fine. like that word comes up all the time. I'm fine but, with that um, word too. As he was rattling out every other word, the big C word kept coming out. I was like, dude, just kind of like you're like hurting my feelings by saying it so often. Yeah, it 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 openly like Beth will attest to this. Other people who know me, I, I get like uncomfortable <laughs> when people use the word. I don't know. I it's can't the, say it. It's the final taboo. It's the worst. Uh, standout performance. I have two because I think there's so many supporting people sure. who will come in the later category. Sure. For me, it's either going to be Johnny Depp as Ed Wood, obviously, or Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi. I think they're equally as important to the movie. Right. I just don't know anybody else who would have played. Bella as funny and kind and weird as Martin Landau. So I would go with Martin Landau. Right. I, I'm right there with you. I, I, it was one of those things like with the categories, I try to always kind of give it some like genuine thought and not just kind of go to my knee jerk reaction. But as you yeah, go through, there are a lot of great performances in this thing. But the one that really kind of and Johnny Depp, you're right. He really kind of does bring a like something that's unique and fun and interesting and innocent and everything that goes yeah. along with it. But it is hard to top Martin Landau in this movie. It really is. He d- Forgive me. He did deserve all of the um, accolades and celebration that he got because of this role. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, again, not having seen this movie in 94, but seeing it relatively shortly after that, um, I can see why he won. I think that when you go back and you look and you look at what Shawshank is now, I can understand why you would say if Morgan Freeman was nominated in this category, potentially should win. And I'm perfectly fine with that. But I don't know in the moment, you know, Shawshank was not appreciated like it should have been at that point either. That movie made no money either. Right. So, you know, I don't want to hear. I understand everybody loves Pulp Fiction. For me, Pulp Fiction is not on the level of Ed Wood or Shawshank. Oh, really? Not for me. Oh. I, I guess I'm in the category a little bit of I don't really get Pulp Fiction. I understand how good of a movie it is, but I just don't get it. Meaning, like, I don't know what all the hype is about. I understand it gives really good performances. I don't think it's I don't think it's even Quentin's best movie. So I don't I think that movie hits a really, really, really a big lull with with uh, Bruce Willis and his girlfriend. Those scenes. Sure. That yep. like 20, 25 minutes. I'm good. Right. <laughs> it's not a good movie at that point to me. That's too bad. It's I I you know, and you know, not to go way off topic, but I, I like pulp fiction quite a bit. Um I'm, I'm aware. But I think there's a <laughs> lot of um reservoir dogs that kind of blaze the trail for pulp fiction that sure. reservoir dogs doesn't really get the the celebration pulp fiction does. I think there were more people in pulp fiction. Um plus you're dealing with multiple storylines rather than kind of like the grand storyline. Um, but it's, again, it's one of those, it's a, it was a mainstream movie in that year that had the benefit of not quote unquote being done like that before, or at least to the popularity that it got to. So it's a, you know, I still, it's unbelievably quotable. You know, there, there are scenes in that movie that, you know, will, will never be done again. If anything, it's going to be a ripoff of that. So it's a, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite movies. Um, but not necessarily my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Sorry, I went off a little tangent there. 
so I know a movie that it's that are that's compared to that often is True Romance. Mm-hmm. I think just for the feel of it and the amount of characters that are in it, I, I much prefer True Romance. Even though I think that there are parts of True Romance, like the Gandolfini Patricia yeah. Arquette scenes, that are fucking unwatchable. They're yeah, super that, hard to watch. I can't and not unwatchable because they're bad scenes. No, they're just so realistic. Yeah, it's the I I find that. Pulp Fiction is, this will sound ridiculous, more fantastical to me that it just, it's so, not ridiculous, but it just, it doesn't seem like it's it's based in reality. Whereas True Romance, I feel, <laughs> is very based in reality, so I find yeah. it a very hard watch. I like that movie, um, I just can't watch that movie. Pulp Fiction is a fantasy movie, so sure. to speak. Like, sure. it, it's not based in realism. No. Um, okay, but yeah, I'm, I think, again... Uh, there's 90 it's 94 man it's like yeah. murder's row of movies it's like one of the most revered movie years of all time crazy isn't that crazy so i'm okay with martin landau winning yep. i would have been okay with somebody else winning i would have been okay with sam jackson winning mm-hmm. um i would have been okay if if Mor- uh, morgan freeman was nominated like i said but sam jackson or uh, martin landau won god rest his soul i'm fine with it as long as the quiz show guy didn't win that's the important piece <laughs> worst performance i don't have anybody i don't think anybody gives a bad performance in this movie Bad performance? No, I got I got better. Jamie Foxx. I got overacting. Awards. Yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, but I got okay. no like nobody. I mean, you can argue like let's just throw it in there just for a goof. Max Casella, who is Doogie Hauser's best friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's not. He's he's the quintessential like overacting, right? Yeah, he has nothing to necessarily do that makes you look at the performance and go, "Wow, that was bad." No, it's just it's. It, in a movie about you know bad actors and bad directing, you're right. Nobody really kind of gives that bad performance, but he's the one that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. I think it's because of your bias of who he is. He looks like he's 14 years old, in regardless of whatever no he's in, except for now. He looks like super old now and doesn't look right. But Benjamin Button, yeah. Um. All right. So Jamie Fox Award for overacting. It yeah. can be every single person in the sure. Movie. Uh, for me, it's specifically Bill Murray, not in oh, a bad way. Yep. He is just, that's your cliche of what you expect maybe a homosexual man to be in the 19, what, 60s, right. 50s, 60s. This is what it's going to be. But it's not in a bad way. He's not overacting where it takes me out of the movie. He's no. just very cliche. Oh, yeah. But I love him. I love him in this movie. Mexico was yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> And he's fun at it. It, it. I I think you're right. I think quintessentially he is like the over actor of the bunch. Um, sure. But for me, to throw it in there, um, Sarah Jessica Parker is my you know over actor in this one. Yeah. She's the one that like I just I can't deal with her. She's like the <laughs> least fun of the bunch. She's not the wet blanket, but she's the least Ooh. fun of the bunch. Okay. Um, and from what I was reading, there was a lot of um, discussion of how that character was portrayed and, you know, how her kind of like riding the coattails of Ed Wood and that wasn't necessarily sure. the case. Um, but she's just it's a little bit too much. And the, I think she's she's trying a little bit too hard. She's got a couple of great lines here and there, but it's just like, eh, yeah, that's the one that kind of stands out to me. And she should have been played by who originally turned down the role, which is like a weird name, but here's the name. Uh, Deborah Winger was supposed Terrible. to play Dolores Fuller. When Deborah Winger hasn't had like a funny, fun role 
Ever. 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 Yeah, I'm fine with Sarah Jessica Parker being in this movie. Yeah. Right off of the right off of the uh the non-success of Hocus Pocus, mm-hmm. right into this. Like I'm fine with it. Right. That's where she finally gets the name Horseface was from this well, movie. That's and that's in my lines. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> And potentially, maybe, things that have held up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, it's Bill Murray. Again, I just think he's he's dying up. But I, I get what you're saying with with Dolores, with Sam, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Um, she's just more unlikable, which is sad because her character is really the only normal one and is really trying to, you know, look out for herself. Yeah. And trying to, you know, explain why I feel like I feel when my boyfriend's been hiding that he's a cross-dresser. Right. And- but you're not sympathetic to her. You're sympathetic to Ed, and it's right. just really how they're how they're written. Yeah, obviously. she comes over like a raging bitch. <laughs> Correct, <laughs> for lack of a better expression. Sorry. Who did the most with the least? The most with I the got, least. I got a lot of people. Okay. All right, so I got Bill Murray as Bunny Be- uh, Breckenridge. Sure. Lisa Marie as Vampira. Woo-hoo. You know how I feel about. I Lisa know Marie. how you Bites feel about. Her. Yep, sure. Jeffrey Jones as Griswell. Sure, Griswell. G- Griswell. Criswell. It's Griswell. Not with a G. It's a C. Criswell. Oh, I, I have it as a G. My fault. Juliet Landau is Loretta King. <laughs> I love the handful of scenes she's in. Is she related and, to Martin Landau? Yeah, it's his daughter. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, I gotcha. And Howard Shore. Ah. Because I think, again, the the you hear this score... It is not from any other movie. No. There is no other movie that this score is from. It's similar to um, Mars Attacks, the score, because they were trying Very to like similar. do the same thing. But I looked it up, and it's a different composer who did the music. That's what I, f- I thought was so super weird about it. I can understand why it would be similar. Yeah. Uh, but it's not the same person. So those are my, what, six people, five people? Who yeah. do you got, Rob? This is my only choice. It is... <laughs> George the Animal Steel as Tor Johnson. <laughs> because in Dude. like early late 80s, being like a kid, it was like I was knee deep in WWF wrestling. And George the Animal Steel. Chewing fucking turnbuckles. <laughs> was amazing. And like, so I watched the movie with Owen and Owen's looking at it and he's just like, is that like, is he in like a fat suit? I was like, no, it's all George the Animal Steel. They're like, why is he so hairy? Is, is he, he wearing a sweater? No, <laughs> that is all George the Animal Steel. And I remember did... fondly, like the last years of his career, <laughs> he used to walk around with like a doll. Remember the doll? Yes. Yes, it was mine. The doll was mine. That was the name of the doll. Ugh. He's hey, like, hey. why does why does this guy look like dad going in the above ground <laughs> swimming pool in the summer? <laughs> See, it's not so weird, kid. Uh, uh, so, fuck. But I'm giving. Yeah, you're I'm, like. It's like a, it's like looking into the future, kid. <laughs> bald, little heavy, incredibly hairy, stumbling around. Uh, fuck. So Eating I'm turnbuckles. Yep. I'm giving it to George. I'm with you. He's fantastic in the movie. I, I got to go, Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. I've talked about numerous times how much I love him in this movie. But I want to go, Lisa Marie. Yeah. 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 Who else plays Vampira? Who else could play Vampira in this movie? Elvira. And she's good. Yeah, she's good. She's but good. But Elvira in it. is not like, what's her name? Cassandra Peterson sure. is going to be slapsticky. Yeah. Like Lisa Marie is serious in this movie. And I think 
I'm it's sad because of all the shit that happened with her and Tim Burton that she doesn't have more more roles, sure. right? That she was in more things. And again, I think it's just because of the drama that happened with her and Burton. Right. Um, but if you know Vampira and you know how she acted and what she sounded like and even how she moved, I mean, Lisa Marie is freaking nailing it on this. I think she kills it as that as Vampira and I think she has some great lines, some great scenes. Sure. Um, I, yeah, I, I, it, it bums me out that she wasn't in more right. after this. And I know you're just like, yeah, because you like Lisa Marie. Yeah, not, yeah that's, that's not true why. too. <laughs> that is true, but that's not why. I do love Jeffrey Jones, but it just, you know, because of his maybe transgressions. I, I, I get the icks with Jeffrey Jones. Even I was watching I Ferris know. Bueller the other day, and it just, he gives me the icks. I know. It's, it's sad. It is sad. All right, so does this still hold up? I only really have one thing because I think this movie holds up incredibly well, yeah. but referring to transgender people as it does yeah. not. It gives me a little bit of the oh, you probably shouldn't say that, and it's just shitty way to look at, at, yeah. at things. And they're not they're not making this movie's all about um, being inclusive, yeah. right? This is about friends. This is not they're not casting any kind of any, any anything on anybody. Um, and it's actually I can't remember who re- refers to transgender people as it. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's the the ladies in the. Uh, at the movie studio that Ed's talking to, it's just, it's bad. And I watched it and I was like, oh, that's not good. Yeah. The um, other thing that pops up quite a bit and you can't even yeah. find it on um, the the quotes. Uh, did I stumble upon it? Or I, I can't remember if I stumbled upon it or not. Is the word fag gets used quite a bit. Um, yeah. And like mainly like between, like I think Vampire at one point was like, Ed is asking around a date and he's like, I thought you were a fag. He's like, no, no, I'm just a transvestite. Um, oh no, the other one was fruit. The the uh, the movie producer called him a fruit. So like, yeah, in that sense, it's like a little insensitive. So that I agree would be the things that are like holding this movie back, but not necessarily unmakeable. Right, but I think also the overall, the idea of the movie and the 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 message it's giving out is inclusiveness. So sure. I think that it you know it's better than that um so this still holds up so things that still work incredibly well uh being shot in black and white yeah i think again very stylized choice but i think it works incredibly well for this movie and it's just the colors they pick to you that they've picked that are going to be reflected in black and white it just works perfect (laughs) and they have that scene that uh it's not dolores it's the landau's chick um what's her face what the hell is her name loretta was holding yeah. up the two dresses, and the guy, she's like, which one do you like? Yeah. He's like, the dark gray one. <laughs> the I'm gray colorblind. one, yep. Um, I like that guy, too. That guy makes me laugh in, like, the couple of scenes. He's the one who's like, hey, I, big man looked like he had a rough time getting through the door. <laughs> he has a couple of great lines. Uh, you want to um, reshoot it? Why would I reshoot it? It's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. We don't have a we don't have a permit. <laughs> um, the idea of acceptance, I think, yeah. holds up right now, yep. which we all should be open to that. Uh, and then there is no bad press. Yeah. So when he when Bell is referring to the uh, media, I mean that's not something I think is a good line. I believe there is bad press, right. but that is still something that people hold true to this day. Is saying there's no bad press, and then referring to the media or uh, paparazzi as parasites. True. I think that those things, those two things still hold true today. Still want your 15 minutes. Yeah. This, yeah, I think this, like many kind of like period movies are, they, they have a tendency not to like, 
they're not necessarily timeless for the reasons we just talked about, but I think sure. we judge them way easier than we do um, other films. So it's like this movie could have been made this year and, you know, we would be just yeah. as content with it. And I think you hit a, you hit the nail on the head. It's because it's it's almost a period piece, right? It's not a movie. It's not Nightmare on Elm Street no. that is so 80s it punches you in the face. Right, yeah. Um, so next category, would this movie be better if Gary Oldman was in it? And if so, who would he play? <laughs> it would be better if Gary Oldman was in it. Who would he play? And I, I mean, I could see Gary Oldman as Bunny. I could see Gary Oldman as Criswell. <laughs> I could see him as a number of different people because he's so fucking weird. <laughs> That he would have fit in in this movie. My answers are Criswell and Bunny. <laughs> there, and that's what I there just There you said. go. We're on the same page. Yes. I, I, I love Bill Murray's interpretation of Bunny, but I would have loved to see Gary Oldman. Right. But I'll tell you, like the I would not want to see Gary Oldman as Ed Wood. Absolutely not. Because you just, I think the, the sympathy or the innocent would kind of be lost in uh, Gary Oldman in this. I 100 percent agree. Yeah. I think that that you know, Depp taps into something where he just exudes, like you said, he's innocent, he's enthusiastic, he you you sympathize with him, his goofy smile, mm-hmm. the cadence in which he talks, it's just it works. Everything <laughs> he has great hair. Yeah, I forgot how great Johnny Depp's hair is in this movie. The great 1960s, just like grow it long and just slick it back, and just when you get like and all it, disheveled, it's all over the place. It's great, except for that mustache he gets like halfway through the movie. Nice. That looks like Damien's mustache when he grows up. Ah, You know, I, I did text as like a little update on Yardhouse and Damien. <laughs> He's, and he did not necessarily give it a bit. He's like, if you're going to drink a for a ridiculous beer selection, it's great. But like any chain restaurant that is focused on the alcohol, the food isn't great. He's not hitting me with any sort of like <laughs> horror story. All right. That's real-time podcasting right there, Just people. saying. Most memorable line. I got a handful. Uh, what I we forgot, should like do, I said. Just, yeah. All right. So what we should do is go back and forth on this one because I got a feeling you and I are like on the same page with this stuff. I'm in. So I just, again, I forgot how, how quotable this movie is. <laughs> and I love the use I love the use of cocksucker and just a ton of bad words, <laughs> just curse words. All right. So I'll go first. Yes. First line. Do I really have a face like a horse? <laughs> go for it. Uh, I'm going to start with. Um, here we go. Um, it's the octopus scene. I think we already said it. <clears throat> it's um, Bella Lugosi is like, oh, shit. It's co-. And he's like, uh, I'll war- you'll warm up as soon as you get into it. And Bella Lugosi is like, fuck you. You come out here. <laughs> Any Bella Lugosi swearing scene is nailing it in this movie. It's perfect. <laughs> is there a script? Fuck no, but there's a poster <laughs> from Georgie. It's just the best script. No, but I got a fucking poster, and this is how we're selling it. I love it. It's the best. Hi, would you like some water? No, no water, no liquids. I'm terribly allergic to them. <laughs> <laughs> fucking yes, she's the best, dude. Her handful of scenes, I love. Uh-huh. I love. <laughs> you must be double jointed and Hungarian. Yeah. <laughs> Bella, how do you do that? Yeah. The best. Uh, you people are insane. You're wasting your lives making shit. Nobody cares. Oh, man. Oh, but still. What a bitch. What a bitch. You guys are 
making your wife making shit. Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit. <laughs> that limey cocksucker can rot in hell for all I care. Oh my god, I love that. Karloff? <laughs> Karloff? It's the best. Fuck you! <laughs> Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit. <laughs> I don't know what accent you're doing. It's not Bela Lugosi. That's Hungarian. But keep it going. That's totally Hungarian. Sure it is. Sure. As I'm screaming and my kids are hearing me upstairs. <laughs> um, let's shoot this fucker. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's in the water scene. Uh, my last one because you just took let's shoot this fucker uh-huh. is I'm planning I'm planning on dying soon. <laughs> when he's like. Bella, what happened? I'm planning on dying soon. I also love, I didn't write it down, but I love the whole monologue when he's talking to Depp when they first meet. And he's like, I'm do, I'm in 10, I'm doing 12 cities. What does he say? I'm doing 10 shows in 12 cities or 12 right. shows in 10 cities, if you can imagine. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, I got two more. They're yeah. not as good as the one we did. So. That's okay. So there's the Edward line. They're driving me crazy. These Baptists are stupid, 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 <laughs> which also is in uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, and then a very wholesome line, which I think is like an important thing in this whole thing, is the Orson Welles yeah. line. Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? Which is like, that's what re-inspires Edward to go back in to uh, deal with the Baptists. I was going to write that down, but I said I 100% know Rob is going to put this down. Of course, nice, wholesome line. That's why. 100% Leonard is doing this. But the most memorable scene, I'm sorry, the most memorable line is Karloff. <laughs> yeah, that's. I was going to say, that's my favorite. Yeah. Karloff, Karloff does not deserve to smell my shit. That limey cocksucker can rot in hell for all I care. Uh it's the best. It is the best. It's funny. It's so fun. And it's one of those things, like, if you're not expecting it, it's hilarious. But when you are expecting it, it's just as funny. Like, that is... Because the guy the guy comes up with such, like, oh, my God, it's Bela Lugosi. Right. Like, it, it, this, he's my hero. I got to get his autograph. <laughs> and he says it in, like, the tr- the nicest way of, like, I love this movie. I love that you were Karloff's sidekick. Yep. And Bella is so nice, and then that just sets him off. Like, what? Fuck you! And I've had, I've had a few celebrity experiences uh... where I try to tell them, like, hey, said show is my favorite show, and they're like, I've fucking done other things, and I'm like, whoa, yeah, calm down, calm chief. down. I'm sorry. <laughs> so there's two big fus in movies that I remember. So like, when I really want to say it, I try to channel those particular things. So one of them is this. So when 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 Bella is like telling this guy to fuck you, it like it comes from like the gut. <laughs> the other one is from Scarface when they're Ugh. about to um, shoot the dirty cop, and he's like kind of you know they shoot him in the shoulder first or the leg or I forget what the hell he shot him, and he's like kind of toying with them a little bit, and then he's just like old why, and he's like fuck you. So it's like right. there's a little bit of like guttural, like from the soul, like cursing. So in the moments that I'm saying it out of anger, those are the moments that I'm trying to channel. All right. Fuck you. Fuck you. Carlos does not deserve to smell my shit. Samwise Gamgee Award for biggest wet blanket. Oh. I only got one. It's Dolores. I'm sorry. 
I know it's just how she's written. Yep. And you feel bad saying like, hey, the person who's the normal one who is actually the realist is the worst. But she, I just, she's just, mm-mm. You're going to be very angry with this. I'm okay. The Wet Blanket Award goes to Lisa Marie. Because she is undoubtedly the biggest bummer in this entire movie. I got to imagine that in 1952, Vampira is just getting shot on by every fucking dude who sees her. And she's just sick of fucking men. And that certainly comes out in this movie. So from everything from when Edward finally like kind of meets her... And at the Brown Derby, and she's like shitty when he's like, hey, can you just come over here and just say like you like the movie to when he calls her. (laughs) Hold on. Uh She's shitty because he's interrupting her, like trying to have dinner with her friends. He's trying to sell the movie. Yeah, but she's shitty because she says no. That's the problem. It's okay to say no. No, it's if you're trying to help out another human being, it's okay not to be shitty. The shitty thing is Dolores, <laughs> as Ed's just trying to live his fucking life, and she's he's like trying to tell her like, "Hey, this is who I am. Can you accept me?" Boom! No, no, you're terrible. No. Now the person that is the least wet blanket is Patricia Arquette. Oh yeah, she's very understanding, supportive, yep. passionate. We're stuck in the rain. No problem. You need me to glue your fucking flying saucers. Yep. No problem. If you could personify my wife in any character, <laughs> she is best represented by Patricia Arquette. Because she likes to crochet slippers? It's, it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of like, okay, of like, you know, just kind of like loving acceptance of like, hey, if this yeah. is what we're doing, like, okay, great. Like, I'll support you no matter good. what. So That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I've seen your basement, so good. <laughs> she's got she's to be, be a saint. Jesus movie saint. real estate. Ah. It's not going to be per se real estate. Would you want to live in LA in 1952? Also no. Or LA in ni- in in 2019. It's sad because a lot of these things usually whenever we talk about this category, we're usually in LA and we're usually like nope, no thank you and it's too bad. Well, to be fair, we talked about LA current times or LA when Skynet is fully <laughs> fledged and killing humans. Uh-huh. So it's slightly different. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, I gotta say, LA in the in fifty two, besides like the rampant racism, which is you know a problem, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know people getting murdered like Black Dahlia style, seems like okay. <laughs> seems like an okay time. But do you want to live in Bella's house or do you want to live in Ed's apartment? I don't want to live in Baldwin Hills, oh. so I'd probably want to live in Hollywood Gotcha. in 52. Not now. Mm. I don't want to live in either one of those places now. L.A. is terrible now. Just across the board. It, like, Do they have like fancy areas in L.A.? Well, I mean, they have Beverly Hills. Right. You have West Hollywood. You have a number of places. You have Brentwood. You have a number of places that are really nice. Um, but then like, can you afford it? And getting out of L.A. to go anywhere, traffic is terrible. Taxes are terrible. Like, I'm good. But like most, Santa Monica. So is it like the older celebrity still lives in L.A., but like the younger no, celebrity is uh, like living out of town? No, I think a lot of no, no. You, oh. You're either if you're an if uh, if you're an acting if you're a working actor, you have to live in either L.A. or New York for the most part. Yeah, yeah. So they they live. I mean, a lot of sports stars will live in Orange County, oh. like down towards me, because 
Obviously, they're just going to work to play the, you know, whatever game they're playing. If they're, if they got to go to Staples Center, if they got to go someplace like that, and then they're out of town for for away games. But no, most uh, most actors are going to be in the L.A. area, but they're not living in Hollywood always per se. Gotcha. You know, Venice, Venice Beach is a popular area where people live, but it's a it's a fucking freak show down there, dude. <laughs> yeah, all our celebrities live in Manhattan. They're not living in Manhattan. They're living in Connecticut. No, not Washingtonville. They don't live in. We had one celebrity. Did I ever tell you the one celebrity we had that lived up here? You in said William Matheter. William Matheter, right? not Matheter. What's the dude's name for that you just talked about? Oh, from, William uh, Shosh- Sadler. Yeah. So no, he Sadler, lived up you. in uh, like the New Paltz area. That's totally not. Mm. So our local celebrity, the guy that lived in town with us, was right. Armand Asante. Oh. I don't know who that is. Armand Asante was in uh, Judge Dredd. <laughs> okay. He played um, the bad guy in Judge Dredd. But, like, Armand Asante is, like, a fairly, you know, not celebrated, but a fairly famous actor. Okay. Um, I just couldn't there tell you, you anything else what he was in. But that is our Washington local... Washington Vills only. Right. Armand Asante. All right. Proceed. So, the, um, the other big kind of, like, New York moment in Ed Wood is they actually bring up the city of Poughkeepsie. No big deal. When Ed first meets Bella, and Ed is kind of talking about the last time he saw him, he saw him doing a production of Dracula in Poughkeepsie. And that's it was when, shit. Yes, that's when he was just like, oh, that, that was blah, blah, blah. You know, the Renfield was drunk. You know, it was one of those. So just yeah. saying it is brought up that Poughkeepsie did show up in this movie. No big deal. And he's like, I was waiting for you to fucking come out to sign autographs. Right. And he's like, when, a, when when, I play Bella, I don't do that. Or when I play Dracula, I don't do I that. I have to come out of the trance. I feel okay. like my Hungarian accent is pretty good. It's terrible. Yeah. But don't stop doing it. All right. Um, another category specifically for this podcast. Sure. Who wins 1994? Who wins 1994? Like in general? Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Ed Wood, yeah. Forrest Gump, or Pulp Fiction? <sighs> <laughs> Upon reflection, yeah, I think the movie that stands out in that bunch, as far as my little world is considered, and you're going to hate it, it's going to be Pulp Fiction. That's fine. Yeah. It's, um, like, I want to say it's Forrest Gump, but I think over the years, Forrest Gump oh. has kind of been forgotten a little bit. Forrest Gump is not a good movie. Yeah, I don't... Wow. Um, I mean, I've said that on this pod multiple times. Yeah. I don't think Forrest Gump... I literally don't think it's a good movie. Right. Um, I think it, it it pulls on all the right strings right. to get the general society to be like, yeah, it's fantastic. Sure. Um, if it's for me, I still think Edward is my personal favorite of this group. I think the best movie of the group, and I think probably one of the best movies of all time, Shawshank Redemption. Sure. It's I, Certain- I, I I always forget like you guys are more ingrained in Shawshank for some reason like I agree with you I don't think it's being celebrated enough I think it is an amazing movie it just doesn't f- kind of like that that Rolodex card doesn't pop up as often as these other movies does I gotta say I mean it should yeah it, Shawshank for the the topic it is for what it's about is a very watchable movie like rewatchable movie sure. you can watch it again every time that movie's on and I and I like come up you know it comes on i'll watch it right 
with the exception of the scenes with the sisters where they're raping him. Right. Yeah, I mean there was a pretty heavy scenes, sure. But besides that, it's it's a it's a great movie to watch. That it gives me all the feels. Yeah. And it gives me like everything that I need. And it that's the part and it's the sisters that become part of the movie that you can't show your kids. Yeah, like, but, okay, pulp pulp fiction you can't dude. Well, well, is there yeah. anything worse than the gimp? <laughs> if you don't understand what the gimp is, I don't believe that it is a big deal. Because he if, says, he says, I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. Well, he does say that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> There's no nuance. It's not subtle. It's no subtlety. <laughs> it's as subtle as a big man in a fucking black trash bag with a ball gag in his <laughs> mouth. That's how subtle it is. Just sitting in the trunk in the basement for some reason. Oh God. All right. All right. Yeah. I understand though. I'm still gonna say Edward is my favorite of the group. But I absolutely adore and love Shawshank Redemption. And I think it's a better movie. Oh. All right. What do you wish there was more of? I'm going to let you go first. I wish there was more Martin Landau swearing. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot, but there could always be more. And so one of the, the, the big discrepancies or you know the things that people argue the most is that Bella Lugosi did not swear nearly as much as portrayed within this movie. And he was actually quite the gentleman, and especially in front of women, he would not speak that way. Um, but it does become something that is just... All of those scenes that he is swearing, and they are plentiful, um, mm-hmm. it just becomes these very hallmark moments of the movie itself. <laughs> so it's like I enjoy those scenes, not because they're like, you know, obnoxious or offensive, whatever it is, but they're always very fun. So I'm going to go with I want more Martin Landau swearing scenes. In the least surprising thing ever in this podcast, <laughs> I need more Vampira. <laughs> Where do you want a... them to put her in? Like, I don't care. You just need more of her. Yeah, I don't care. The, her... I would like more Lisa Marie in my... My my cinematic universe. You know, the corset that she's wearing that my son actually brought up um, oh. is is like a little bit too much. Um, I mean, that's what she's supposed to be. Again, that's what vampire is supposed to look like. Sure, though. but I just feel like that. that's like, I don't feel like it's humanly possible to get the waist that thin. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's what made it super weird. What was the uh... so so her her eyebrows the fact that they they paste over her eyebrows and then draw new ones on that's not unsettling no I'm good it's with those corset. those are absolutely fine I don't know that's okay absolutely fine with that okay uh, so next category this is going to be another new category that we're gonna you're just use throwing every... this left and right in this particular podcast no big deal well the 1994 was specific to this category gotcha okay or to this pod this category will be in and it's simply called the best oh. question mark oh. The idea is I want to know – I'm going to give you actors that were in this movie. I'm a, I could give you the the score. I could give you the composer, whatever. And I want to know if this is the best they've ever been in their career. Oh, okay. So That's fun. You have Johnny Depp. Sure. Yeah, I would say – You have Tim it, Burton. Oh. Hold on. Yep. Yeah, all right. Go ahead. You know what? Let's do it. Johnny Depp. Is this his best? Is this the best we've ever seen him? My humble opinion? Um – yeah, as far and again, it's like I'm not getting into like certain movies. Um, sure, you know, I, Blow always comes to mind as far as his like quintessential movie, as far as like his acting ability goes. But in my heart, this is his best movie. Okay, so for me, it's this 
It's it's this, but I think it could possibly also be Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one, because what he did with that character and that movie does not deserve to be nearly as good as it is. And what he did with that now, again, at, you can say whatever you want after that and how it, he became a sellout or whatever. But what he did in that movie, getting nominated for an Academy Award right. as well, is pretty remarkable. Sure. So I think that is at where he's at his peak. That is his best. But for me personally, I mean, this is my favorite. I'll take it. Tim Burton. Um, it would be a tough because I think I've said this once before. It's I, I'm conflicted with as far as Tim Burton's best movie. I would argue it would be Big Fish, um, but this certainly comes in real close. I think my top three will be Batman, Big Fish, and then this. So for me, I gotta say, and this sounds ridiculous because it's one of his first movies, but Beetlejuice because that set the standard for what Tim Burton movies are going to be. Sure. Yep. Um, so it's got to be Beetlejuice followed quickly by by Ed Wood, or excuse me, uh, Edward Scissorhands. I think that this is, again, my favorite movie of his, but it's not the most like his movie. Is this his movie with the greatest amount of potential for best director? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But visually, this, what... Yeah. Um, visually, it's not... It's not what you expect. Right. Sure. Right. And then my last one, and I think this is the easiest, is Martin Lando. I couldn't give you another Martin Lando movie. X-Files, the first X-Files movie he's in. Um, Wasn't he in Mission Impossible, the show? I don't think so. I, 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 It's one of those things, like, it's in my, again, this guy probably had a celebrated career, um, but in my opinion, this is the only movie that I and I know he was in the Anna Nicole movie. He played J. Howard Marshall, and he was in Frankenweenie. Um, but in his like in his entire IMDb, this is the movie that I remember him for. Like even the movies that kind of like precede it. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you. So then it's got to be this. It's got to be this. I mean, it was Peter right. Van Garrett in Sleepy Hollow. If we're really kind of getting into it, but yeah, like, but he's in. He has no lines, and he's in the very beginning. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that's the new category. All right. Cool. I like that category. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Because it, it, it's it's open to a kind of interpretation. Sure. Um, two more categories. Whose movie is this? Oh, I think this is easy. This is the easiest one we got. Go for it. It's Martin Landau's movie. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree. I think that he's the one who should be remembered for this yep. movie, <clears throat> just for what you said. He's got 128 IMDb credits, and you can't tell me one of them, right? So it's got to be his movie. Yep. Um, underrated, overrated, properly rated. We did not go oh, well, over. Wait, well, wait. Do what? Do you Whoa. think it's Martin Landau's movie, or do you have like? Of something course, else I just. To... Oh, okay. No, I just said. Yeah, of course. Because based I... on just based on what we just said, 128 IMDb credits. This is the only one. Right, and it's too bad because you want it to be Johnny Depp's movie. You really want it to be Johnny Depp's movie, but it's just not quite there. It's up there. Yeah, for me, it's it's it's. I think of it as. For me, I think of it knee jerk reaction as a Johnny Depp, a, a Tim Burton movie. Sure. Combined. Yeah. It's their, it's their, for me, their best movie together. I agree. Um, but when you think about it away from that, if you don't look at the history that they'll have after this movie, I think of it's, it's Martin Landau. Sure. All right. I'll buy that. All right. 
Rotten Tomato scores. Yeah. 92% critics, 88% audience. Yeah. Properly rated. Ed Wood. Yeah. Properly, properly rated. rated. Yeah, I think okay. you got four four points between them. I think the people that... It's funny that the critics score is higher than the audience score. I would expect that to be reversed. But again, you're dealing with four points. And who the hell knows how they're coming up with these numbers anyway. But yeah. that, you know, high B, low A, I think that is a very appropriate rating for it. Not looking at the audience scores. Yeah. Just looking at simply when someone asks me about Johnny Depp or asks me about Tim Burton or asks me about my top 10 movies and I this is in there, it's always the one that gets, oh, I've never seen that. So I think this movie is criminally underrated sure. because of that reason. Yeah. It's because too bad. it made five million dollars at the box office. It's too bad. It's too bad that not enough people are seeing this movie. And again, it, it's a and it's an enjoyable movie. It's an engaging movie. It's not something that you're kind of like. Eh. Or there's like parts of the movie that are uncomfortable, so you want to avoid no. it. Or there's like yeah. lulls. That's it's a good movie, but just people aren't watching it. What the hell? It's not a hard movie to watch. No, it's a fun movie to watch. It's fun. It's got a it's a little over two hours, good runtime, yeah. great performances. I guess something that could turn the people off is they see black and white. Maybe. And it just comes that yeah. oddball thing, but yeah. The based on who's in this movie and there's so many different people who turned out to be big stars, yeah. you would think that people who at least like those people's movies would see this movie. I could tell you in a world of people who celebrate Bill Murray, this movie probably comes up the least. I agree. And also, again, Johnny Depp in our lifetime, within a decade ago, was the biggest movie star maybe ever. Right. Yep. I mean, I know that sounds like it's that's crazy. It's not hyperbole. The amount of money that his movies made were astronomical. Yeah. Pirates is one of the biggest series of all time when you look at it in just a movie by movie basis. Right. And, and then the you got the stupid people... Alice in Wonderland movies that are making yeah. money for some reason or another. And the fact that nobody has gone back in his catalog and watched this movie <laughs> is baffling to me. <laughs> when you look at Tim Burton, he doesn't have that many movies. Right. And this is a glaze over movie. This is a freaking weenie kind of movie. It's just kind of like Franken weenie is another good one. All right, Owen. Hi. How you doing, buddy? Good, how are you? I'm good. Hey, so you just watched this a couple nights ago with your dad, right? Uh, Yeah, followed by did you w- nine. Did you, w- okay. <laughs> did you want to watch this movie or did your dad make you? Well, first I didn't really want to watch the movie, but then we watched the trailer and it looked funny, so I went along with it. Did you like it? Yeah. Do you usually watch Tim Burton movies? Uh, Not not like every day, but yeah, I do like watching Tim Burton movies. So what's your favorite Tim okay. Burton movie right now? Nightmare Before Christmas. It's not Beetlejuice. It's not. Oh, okay. I mean both both would be good choices though. Yeah. Did you know that Tim Burton didn't direct Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> your That's okay. He is wrote mine. Well he wrote and produced it, but he didn't he have you seen a movie called Paranorman? Um yeah. Or Coraline? Yeah, I watched it a really long time ago, and Coraline still creeps me out, so I never watch it. So those are both done by the guy who directed um, Nightmare Before Christmas, a guy named Henry Selleck. Mm. But because Tim Burton couldn't direct it because he was making Batman Returns. Oh, that makes sense. And worth yeah. it. Eh, I think Batman Batman Returns is not a, as good of a movie as Nightmare Before Christmas. It's more important. 
<laughs> Definitely more important. All right, so what was your favorite part of Edward? Uh, when he was fighting the fake octopus. <laughs> okay. That's that. That's a great part. Did so you watched um, Planet Nine after this? Uh, yeah. Um, and not to, to correct you, it's Plan Nine, not Planet. Oh, Nine. excuse me. I I apologize. Yeah. How far that's why we, we have you here. Um, we got like halfway because at one point I just couldn't take it. It was too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. So you would rather watch Ed Wood than a real Ed Wood movie? Oh yeah. All right. Who who do you think did the best? Who gave the best performance? Uh, in Ed Wood. Yeah. Um, the show host, the TV show host, Criswell. Yeah. <laughs> so you liked him the best. Yeah. How come? You know he's the he's the dad in in Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why <laughs> did you think he gave the best performance? Um, I don't know. Well, you just liked him. He the opened best. he opened the movie with his Chriswell usual thing in the coffin. Yeah. I don't know. It was a All right, yeah, I like this. The opening scene, I like a lot. Yeah. All right. Did you like the music in the movie? Uh, don't really remember the music, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Would you Would you recommend this movie to any of your friends? I don't know how many ten year olds are going to watch Ed Wood. Uh, the good humored ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I have one friend that can make a joke out of pretty much anything. Okay. All right. So, so do, do you feel that you were, like, are you happy that you watched it? Or was it just like, ah, I could have gotten through the rest of my life without seeing it? Well, I'm happy that I watched it because, I don't know. It, it's, I like the funny, like, parody movies of old directors. All right, now, so since we watched Plan 9 immediately after watching this movie, do you think it, like, properly gave you an idea what that movie was going to be about, or were you, like, totally surprised at how bad Plan 9 was? Well, at the beginning, I wasn't even sure how the space shuttles and the monsters connected. Oh, and by the way, when we were watching this movie, we saw the... UFOs going around, and we just kept making weird noises when what, they were going by. What was the noise we made for the uh, for the spaceships? Woo! Woo! woo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just give you a little look at what's going on here. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Your dad did a good job showing it to you. One last question, not about this movie, Owen. Um, you've seen some movies, I'm assuming, since last time we talked. Yeah. Is What is your favorite movie now? Like, what's the, your favorite movie you've seen recently? Favorite movie I've seen recently. Well, I can tell you it's not the new Adams Family. I did not like that movie. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, what what are you currently very into? Currently very into. Uh, um, I like the new High School Musical series on Disney+. Plus. Okay. So there you go. That's your. That's what you're currently into. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what that's what we got going. And how do you feel about the Mandalorian? Well, I haven't fully paid attention to it, f- <laughs> but from watching the hooded crazy people try to kill Baby Yoda. Ah. Yeah. Spoiler. 
Sorry. Spoiler alert. And All they're right. Jawas. They're not crazy hooded people. Oh. Uh, they're a little crazy. All right. I'm sorry. What do they say, Rob? ETD. All right. Give me my headphone back, kid. <laughs> Thanks, Owen. Goodbye. Bye. He Bye, says, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <sighs> All right, buddy. So that kid who you just spoke to had an audition today. Wow. For a Disney movie. Awesome. No big deal. So we'll no see how he does. No big deal. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Good job. Good job, buddy. Super excited. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. Yeah. We're going to have to wrap it up here. Yeah. I appreciate you being on, taking some time. Appreciate you. Hope- loving this movie. Hopefully we get some downloads. <laughs> we'll see. And, you know, good luck to, to Owen, man. Maybe he'll be a big star. Fingers crossed. And if he's not, then we can kind of be like, hey, this is the movie you auditioned for. And then he's developing his own relationship with Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully he won't hate on Leo like you do. (laughs) Love it. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. And we'll do it again. Okay. You got it. All right, everyone. That is the Ed Wood podcast. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I know we talked about it quite a bit. Check it out. You know, if you're if you're a Johnny Depp fan, if you're a Tim Burton fan, if you're just a fan of cinema I think you should definitely check this out. Um, like I mentioned last podcast, we are doing a contest for our listeners as a thank you. So it's a $50 Amazon gift card. We're going to be giving it away on the 15th of December. All you need to do is leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a share on social media for the podcast itself. And give us a, a subscribe. Uh do all three of those, take screenshots, send them to our email address, themorninggeekdom at gmail.com, showing that those are all done, and you'll be entered uh, into the uh, the $50 giveaway. And it's really, again, just a thank you for all of our listeners who have been awesome and supportive and engaging, and the podcast is growing, but this is just really a thank you more than anything. So again, five-star review, Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and a, and a share on social media. And a screen cap all of those. Send them to our email, themorninggeekdom at gmail.com. And you're entered. Thanks to Rob for being on. Uh, Five-star reviews, Apple Podcasts. We need them. Tell a friend, tell 100 friends. Instagram, The Morning Geekdom. Twitter and Facebook, at Morning Geekdom. Subscribe, rate, review on any of the platforms you're listening to us on. And we'll do it again next week. Shout out to Gary Oldman. <laughs>